Dum da 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 dum da 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 dum da 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 dum. Hey there, guys and gals. Welcome to a very special Wednesday Night Bites episode of Back of the Cereal Box. I am your host, the prophet of pop culture, John Pika. You can call me Johnny. And tonight, 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 we have Chris Vaglio and Lucas Leverett in the studio to talk about Book of Boba Fett. We're going to do a whole series recap and review in the next hour or so. So stick around and join us in the comments. And we're going to do that right now. It's like Coca-Cola, Levi's That theme song is recorded by our friends, the Murdering Crows. You can pick up their record, Four Bad Crows, on Amazon, Google, or Apple Music, wherever you get music. And we want to thank right up front our sponsors, Dave Mattingly, Cindy Kep, Crystal Raven-Jones. They support us on buymeacoffee.com slash cerealboxpod. And if you like what we do, you can do it as well. If you don't like the show... Donate even more generously. Help us improve it. And also brought to you by Unidragon Puzzles. At unidragon.com, use our promo code SERIALBOXPODCAST. Take 10% off your first order. You will not regret it. All right, guys and gals, we've got some friends in the green room. Let's bring them up. First and foremost, the infamous raving liberal, Lucas Leverett. How you doing, Lucas? Bum bubba dubba dum boba fett. That's how I'm doing. I'm doing great, man. How are you? I am fantastic. And also joining us in the virtual rec room is our fellow Star Wars Freakosaurus, Mr. Chris Vaglio, host of the Chris and Amanda show. Which, by the way, Chris, yes, I've been listening to nonstop for like the last two weeks. Well, thank what, you. <laughs> what a great show you guys have. Oh man, and thanks. And you've inspired me. Yes, I have. Yes. Yes. I was like, you know what? Chris and Amanda, they, they're doing some things right. I need to I need right. to uh lift some of their techniques. Well, that, that intro was was impressive, man. I was I was like, wow, I hadn't seen the, the the new intro with the theme song yet. So uh that is awesome. That is that is something really special. I dig it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Jamie Slocum, wrote the song. And, um, you know, I had been singing it acapella off and on, sometimes on Clubhouse. And um, our friends at the Murdering Crows, DL Memphis and Geek Gumshoe, uh, they were like, hey, you mind if we do something with that? And so they recorded it. And uh, it's great. Ta-da! Ta-da! That's pretty cool, man. I yeah, love it. Yeah. No, it's it's really cool. I uh, Yeah, I'm excited about that. And uh, we've been loving it. Uh, since we aired it. So for those of you who are just tuning in, and we have a few viewers, 
do us a quick favor. One, share this. If you're watching us on Facebook, yes, share this uh, to everybody you know, because it's more fun the more people who play along. And the great thing about our show is this is interactive with you, the audience. You can post a comment in the chat and we will respond to it throughout the uh, show. Um, we definitely want to get your feedback and read your comments. And um, that would be fantastic. And um, yeah, so let's get into it, guys. Yeah. Uh, before before we really talk about this guy. Look at that. <laughs> just thought, zero hesitation. Z look at that. Just right into action. Everybody's ducking and covering. Amazing. <laughs> um, Lucas, tell tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and why I invited you to be on this show. Well, let's see. Uh, I've probably been uh, in the fandom scene for twenty years or so, uh, maybe a little over. And uh, as a as a co-founder, co-creator, creator, founder of multiple fan events when I was in Nashville. Uh, as well as keeping up, you know, a few pieces of connectivity to some uh, projects on the side. Uh, produced the Nashville Zombie Walk, which has been on hiatus. We're now able to evaluate, you know, will that come back? But now that I'm here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Michigan, <laughs> I uh, maybe it's time I'm, for a Michigan Zombie Walk. Uh, that's exact. Well. A Grand Rapids zombie walk. We're entertaining that idea, but I'm connecting with some of the geek culture here. Uh, you know, I I was involved with the Maker Space and the Maker Fair in Nashville, and they're actually starting a new Maker Space here. So I've extended some uh, assistance to them, and uh, we're going to talk about how to to launch into that. So you know, I stay active in the geek side of the world, and then I have the uh, uh, the brewing controversy weekly live stream where uh, my friend David and I do a little uh, banter about all things sociopolitical as a couple of cranky leftists with craft beer in hand. So uh, if, if you're into that, we invite people to come in, participate, drink along, chat along, and uh, we usually do a beer review from a new brewer. We try a new brewery every week if we can. And it's a really fun concept, basically what we were already doing when we hung out anyway. Those, those are always good. the best shows. And Lucas, we don't do politics on Back of the Cereal Box, but you would be proud to know that I was accused of being a leftist today and booted <laughs> from a group that leans to the right. That's a far-fetched notion. <laughs> Chris, tell everyone about your love affair with Star Wars. Oh, boy. That's uh, definitely an obsession that started uh, in uh, in 1977 when the first one came out. I was I was really, really young, but completely remember going. And it uh, just was a thing that inspired me to get involved into filmmaking and into video production, all that, because I just I wanted to make that magic. You know, that was that was the one thing I just always stuck with me. It, definitely seeing it even at that very young age, just woke that creative uh fire inside of me you know and since then i've been creating and wanting to be involved in creative and like i said i spent a 20-year career as a, as a professional in in production work uh producing editing all that before 
you know, I transitioned out. And now what I do is I, I, I actually, you know, I, I mentor and I do business advisory services with, with other creative professionals to help them out in their, in their journey and, and help them build their businesses. Um, but yeah, man, I love Star Wars. I love talking Star Wars. I've been in uh, a, a nerd for Star Wars my whole life. And uh, I'm really psyched to be here. And yes, and thanks again for, for mentioning the show. This uh, I'm also the co-host of the Chris and Amanda show, which airs on Mondays at 2.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can watch the live stream on, on all the places, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Um, and then you can download or listen to the audio version anywhere you get podcasts. So you can watch us and then you can listen to us. So you can relive the magic all over again. Yeah, and and it's fantastic, guys. Um, Thank you. And and look, if you want to be uh, entertained and amused and just to have a smile on your face, Chris and Amanda show. If you want to be outraged and pound your fist on the table, check out Lucas's Brewing Controversy show. Because um, no matter which way you lean, you're going to end up pounding your fist on the table. But um, you no, know, I, I tend to bring people a little bit of something uh, for everybody anyway, because. You know, I'm not I'm not left enough for everybody under 30, apparently. So, you know, <laughs> there we are. Hey, you know, you were enjoying the side view of my big old jowls because I didn't want to believe you, Johnny. But when we get to that, uh, that uh, HasLab conversation, I pulled it up to arm myself for the discussion <laughs> of vast disappointment. So now I'm fully prepared. <laughs> well, and Chris, you and I have a very similar background. I was seven years old in 1977. I was in the theater opening night, mm. uh, and I didn't know what I was going to see. I, we, I was just going with some yeah. friends. And when Darth Vader stepped through that door on that Rebel frigate, I pointed at the screen and I said, I want to do that. <laughs> and that has informed my career as an entertainer and storyteller ever since. And, yeah, uh, definitely magic, man. I mean, that's that's how I've always seen Star Wars. It's just always been it's always been magic for me. George Lucas is one of my favorite magicians. Yes, George Lucas and Jim Henson. Yeah. Um, so we got a couple of comments. Okay, <laughs> John Wood says I appear to be an audience of one. Not true, John, because Melissa Stetcher is watching. She says, love you friends, but not sticking around because I haven't oh. watched yet. She is not caught up. Spoiler and our friend Drew Milden <laughs> says, nerds! <laughs> Drew, with love. Drew, if you want to come on the show with us, I'll send you the link. You would be oh, yeah. great. Oh, you're Drew probably, would be awesome. You're probably tending to baby, but yeah. Um, if not, send me a, a, a message and, and if you want to come up, I'll, I'll bring you up. But um, I got to tell everyone this right off the bat for everyone watching. There are going to be heavy spoilers. We're not holding anything back. So if you have not watched all of Book of Boba Fett, stop watching right now. (laughs) Go binge it because it's only seven episodes. And, you know, the longest episode is 56 minutes. And then come back three hours from now and and watch the rest of our analysis. Yes. So let's talk umbrella here. Mm -hmm. Just initial reactions, your initial feelings about the series in general, and then we'll break down some individual elements. Chris, you know, first. Yeah, go for it. Okay. 
So I'll I'll give my quick my quick umbrella thought was uh, I I ultimately I liked the show. Uh, it was structured a little weird. Um, I, I don't think I'm I'm alone in in that. It was not a structure I was uh, anticipating at all, which also kind of made it really cool uh, at the same time because it was just weird. Like I've never really kind of seen a show like that that had that and then went away and came back. But ultimately, at the end of the day, and we're gonna get deep into it. But I I overall I liked the show. I liked I think season two of Mandalorian. A lot better, um, even season one. But I'm also, I feel like I'm comparing apples and oranges a little bit here. And I don't want to get into that. Because ultimately, as a Boba Fett nerd that I am, um, you know, I got a Boba Fett sleeve. As you can see, I this is something I've waited for my entire life <laughs> as, as a fan. So I'm happy to have finally received it. And, uh, you know, I'm anxious to see where it goes. But uh, we'll get deeper into it as it goes on and break it down. But overall, my umbrella is that. I liked it. It's a little weird, but I liked it. Lucas? You know, I would agree with some of that. Uh, you know, you guys were talking about some of the the origins of your Star Wars fandom. Uh, I happened to come of age in a time period where I had all three movies freshly available. I was born in 78, so I was old enough to consume it as relatively new, complete, at the time, media. And this character always had that presence. There was that figure that your friends had that you wanted. There was that mystique of the of the character being talked about and theorized about. And then, of course, you know, I did my share of uh, RPG gaming with some friends that were very into what is now the Legends uh, material, you know, the expanded universe stuff. And I received many a... Uh, uh, a lecture and an education over dice about things that had happened since. And it was really interesting to compare the stuff that I knew that those guys would be looking for to be picked out of that set of, of story elements to potentially be inserted here. So I was kind of uh, over the moon to see how they treated, you know, the Sarlacc escape and all. And then, uh, the structure, I would say, I, I would join in the people that kind of raise an eyebrow as to, you know, why didn't we just do two episodes straight on catching us up? Just one solid flashback. I think the flashback format works in a lot of cases. I think it felt weird to the fans here, but I'm absolutely committed to the notion that, that at least in these shows... Star Wars is in the hands of people that absolutely love it with a passion and they're building and crafting things out of just sheer joy. And a lot of times when we watch it, we're getting that sheer joy. And there was plenty of that in this series. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. So my initial thoughts, let me frame this by saying that I was never a Boba Fett fan. I never understood the fan fervor for this character. And <laughs> look, I History. I was I was introduced to this character uh before Empire Strikes Back in the now infamous holiday special mm -hmm. um which I loved this animated short from the holiday special and I loved the look and style of Boba Fett and I got the early bird special figure. 
I sent away for it, you know, yep. however many proofs of purchases and got it, it was... in a little white box. I still have it. I wish I had that box to prove that it was the early bird special. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but I got it. Maybe, maybe the, the stamp on the foot or on the leg could prove maybe. it. I don't know. But I don't... I'll have to look at that. But uh, I always liked the look of the character, but I never understood why fans were so over the moon after I finally saw him. Because mm -hmm. to me, all he did in Empire Strikes Back was stand around a lot, said three lines, got treated like a punk by Darth Vader. I was going <laughs> to use another word, but that would not be appropriate. And then in Return of the Jedi, he gets taken out by a blind man with a stick. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Who? Why, why is everyone over the moon about this character? So I came into the series... Not really. And look, when they announced the Mandalorian series in general, I was not excited. I was like, really? Really? Do we need this? Do we need more Mandalorian stuff after the Clone Wars and after Rebels? And mm -hmm. really, I, you know, but I, I fell in love with the Mandalorian, Din Djarin. Um, the finale of season two was awesome. The introduction of Ahsoka Tano, who is my favorite Star Wars character. That's sent, my second. Yeah. My, my number two. <laughs> yeah. Sent me over the moon. And, I, you know, I came into this series again, not a fan, but willing to give this a chance. And this series has turned me into a Boba Fett fan. There you go. All and right. The, the things... <laughs> that you guys either didn't like or a lot of fans didn't like or complained about or found odd are what made me love the show. Hmm. And I always remind fans who complain, you know, for everything you hate, somebody else loves. Mm -hmm. It's true. And a lot of the things that some old, my age fans and hardcore Boba Fett fans hated, I actually loved. I love deconstructed storytelling and I love uh, character deconstruction. Look, I loved The Last Jedi for the way that they took the character of Luke and completely deconstructed him and what he means and who he is and then brought him back through his own individual mm -hmm. hero's journey or revelatory journey. And yeah. that's what they were doing with Boba Fett on this. Mm -hmm. He's this guy that we meet who he's failed miserably. He's broken figuratively and literally. And he's alone, left for dead in the desert. And not only does he have to rebuild his life, but he's going to go on his own hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved the flashbacks. I, I just... Everything going on with the Tuscan Raiders, I was just, I, I loved it. I loved it. Oh, all. same here. I, I, I was, yeah. uh, I, I was, I was marked out big time for the uh, <laughs> dances with Tuscans episode. Yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> I actually, uh, I, I enjoyed that episode with a lot of glee and pure joy in the same way that I enjoyed the Jawa episode in Mandalorian. I just think that oh, yes, some of these little cultural deep dives that that have come out of these series have become love letters to star Wars in and yes. of themselves. Yeah. And I, I love, I love what you're saying there because I, I agree hundred percent. Those are the things that I, I have 
been picking up on in all the series and what I really love because to me, and I'm going to just say, it, this is the stuff that like when we were kids and we played with our action figures, honestly, and this is, you know, what I've heard everybody say this too about the, the finale season, the finale yeah. episode <laughs> is like, you know, basically we dumped out all our, our action figures and played uh, with them. And that's kind of what the finale was. But honestly, those are those little, like little things that we would make up playing with the toys and, and, and there it is. And I love yeah. it. And I love the exploration of, you know, the imagination of the world that George Lucas created and how other people are now playing in at sandbox and bringing it to life and giving it more than just like, you know, than just cannon fodder. Like they're actually like, there's a culture, there's a civilization and we're going to learn about it. And I, I like that stuff. I yeah. Like I, I love anything that takes a deep dive into the culture and Tony Snipes. It is true. I was <laughs> never a Boba Fett fan. And I got to take issue with this comment from John Wood. Uh, Come on, Pika. The uh Last Jedi is one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, (laughs) I completely disagree. Disagree. Phantom Menace is, or actually Attack of the Clones may be be one of them. So, well, no. Okay. I got to say this, Chris. (laughs) Any Star Wars movie is a great movie. Well, but, but when you stack them up against each other, that's where the, that's where the. Yeah, Attack of the Clones is probably my least favorite. It's but, got some of the worst dialogue in all of Star Wars. Well, I've got a whole theory about that, and, and we could get into that on another right, show. I know that's a separate show. Um, but Johnny, Phantom I, 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 I is do my, have maybe to... my third favorite movie in the what Star is? Wars saga. Yeah. Empire, Rogue One, Phantom Menace. I love Phantom Menace. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Johnny, I have uh, to for see reasons, your... Uh, you're talking about. I have to see your inexplicable uh, people obsessed with Boba Fett astonishment and point out that I had a girlfriend in high school and uh, someone I've known for many, many years since who always swore that Boba Fett was the sexiest character. She had the biggest crush. And this is in the 90s when all we knew was what you described, you know, the guy that got whacked by a blind man. Like there was this, and I, and she was not the only one. There was this fangirl clutch that, that just decided Boba Fett was the bee's knees. And, uh, they they've been continually gratified and i know that that fangirl group now must be just thrilled to have finally gotten the full show but uh you know i imagine they probably weren't picturing a a dad bod samoan guy underneath all that but (laughs) (laughs) so drew asks is jar jar better or equal to boba fett so until this series i was more of a jar jar fan than i was a boba fett fan (laughs) because i understood the purpose of jar jar binks i was not Mm. one of those fans who expected the sequel to grow up as i grew up yeah right right you know anyway um and uh he's right attack of the clones has some of the best political conversations of all time there's a lot of conversations Right, in Attack of the Clones. It's also the world's worst worst love story ever told. But once again, <laughs> I don't want I don't want to get into it. I don't want we'll, to. We'll talk about that at yeah. a later time. So there's a lot of revealing in that. I think of where George Lucas was going with the political and social influences of the time yes. when he conceived yeah. of those stories, and I think that's Agreed. an important piece of it. Po- yeah, but, possibly. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so we meet Boba Fett for the first time in the holiday special. He also showed up in Droids, the mm-hmm. animated series. And uh, this is the Hot Toys version uh, of that costume, which I love. And yeah. Chris, 
They even did a Droids Slave One. I don't remember ever seeing this. Neither do I. That this wow. is uh, this is new. And you know what? I have all the the books, but I I, I as far as the collector's books go, but I, I never saw this. I, I, this is cool. Yeah, no, Man, I'm, I'm going to come this. to this because now I am obsessed with Boba Fett because of the show. But in live <laughs> yeah. action, if we go chronologically, right, we first meet Boba. The uh, clone child of Django Fett from um, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also in that, uh, there he is. Yep. And this is Tamora Morrison, who is, you know, also Boba because Boba's a clone. Yep. And, you know, look at this. Really, when you look at Daniel Logan at that age mm-hmm. compared to uh, Tamora Mor- Morrison, then and even now, I've got a picture of him without his helmet. Okay. Um, I mean, that kid looks like. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it was good casting. Oh, what happened to that picture? I can't find it. Oh, well. Anyway. And then uh, we got the animated version again in Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Yes. And did they ever, Chris, explain the uh, difference in the color palettes? Not that I know of. I mean, they, I, as far as I know, there's never been anything that, uh, at least that I'm aware of, as to an explanation why in the color palettes. You know, I think it's just an artistic choice a little bit. I mean, it's, and, you know, and there have been variations. I mean, originally when the character was created, it was, I mean, when it wasn't even painted, it was all white. If you watch the, that great little series on Disney Plus, the yeah. dented helmet and all the behind the helmet or what I forgot, but it's, it's really well done. I really yeah, like it. Yeah, behind the helmet. Yeah, yeah, really, really it's cool. Great. I, I think that should be required viewing for anybody that's going to claim to be into mm-hmm. this show. It's a fantastic uh, little yeah. mini, you know, very short documentary. Gives a lot of amazing background, and uh, it kind of explains a little bit of the allure. They kind of accident. Yeah. They did viral before it was even remotely a, a thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I have not watched that, that yet. Maybe I'll have to do it. I, I might I'm help guilty. you. The parade this is... is a light bulb moment. <laughs> oh my god, that parade, that parade footage is priceless watching that. I'm like, oh man, I wish I was there. <laughs> but for most of us, this was the guy we remember. And this is actually just before yep. he gets whacked in the jetpack by a blind Han Solo. <laughs> and I, I just find his evolution to be very interesting because we after Return of the Jedi, we don't see him again until this moment. And you'll remember, we didn't even know that this was Boba Fett uh, at the time. We, we thought it was because this was the episode where um, Cobb Vanth had given up the uh, armor that he had acquired yeah. from the Jabba, Jawas. And then after Boba Fett gets it back, a new paint job, black base, mm-hmm. um, kind of a half kilt. I love this look. I thought it was a great evolution. Uh, And I love how in the show, uh, which we'll get into, but I love how the whole, you know, he's basically in the, the jumpsuit that he, you know, he's in the Sarlacc pit and, and he's in it for a a long time in those, in those, um, in those flashbacks. And I kept thinking like, Oh my gosh, how much longer is that jumpsuit gonna, gonna make it through (laughs) all the, all the, the beatings and the sand and all that. So I like that the, the evolution of that and the stripping away of that and then eventually getting his, uh, his Tuscan robes. And I like that he's incorporated 
the two cultures of the Mandalorian yeah. culture and the Tuscan Raider culture into one. And I, I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, I, think I, that's I love that. A, a, Go ahead, Lucas. I, I think that's a, a kind of a subline of of some of these stories, uh, especially this this set of Mandalorian stories that are being presented. Um, there's there's a breaking down of the uh, strict cultural silos that people have been stuck in in their ability to understand and tell Star Wars stories. You know, it had to be Jedi, it had to be Mandalorian, and then now we're finding these characters that are finding their own way, mm. and it's much more natural because if you think about it, it's a little ludicrous to think that Force sensitives would would always just go Jedi, and now we've seen multiple instances where Force sensitives don't go full Jedi, and it's a nod to that Legends material because there were plenty of force sensitive characters and that was really exciting to people. And I think people were terrified that all that stuff would just be ignored and destroyed and, and thrown yeah. out. And I think this is a great way to incorporate. It's basically Disney saying, okay, we can't deal with all of that baggage, but watch, we'll pick a few of the best things and bring them back into the line. So I think that, you know, we're looking at a lot of that hybrid culture stuff and it's much more the way real life works. You know, yeah. you, you get a, you get somebody that uh, comes out of native culture here in America and, and goes into the corporate world. You might see them in a suit, but still have some kind of beaded hair or jewelry, just like he's done with his multiple culture adaptations. I think it's much yeah. more natural to how uh, real beings live. Yeah, I, I, and I think uh, I think what they're exploring here is a redefinition of what mandalorians are mm. because we have these disparate uh kind of factions you know boba fett was always by himself never had a family it was he and Django, mm -hmm. and then after Django is killed by mace windu he ends up hanging out with other bounty hunters and that's not a family because every one of those guys was you know out, you know out for their own hide. yeah, they're, bound, they're bounty hunters. <laughs> yeah, they're it was every man for himself. <laughs> right. And so he never had a family. And fi finally, he finds a place of community, a place of belonging in the Tuscans. And that's a powerful, powerful thing that I think a lot of fans are overlooking. Yeah. But then on the other side, you've got J Din Djarin, who has been part of a religious cult sect yeah of the Mandalorian culture and that's all he's known and what he thinks being a Mandalorian is. And then, and then over here, we've got um, Bo-Katan and, and the house uh, of, of Crease and, and what is going to happen. And then, and then, so when all these three different philosophies finally collide, I think at the end of the day, mm -hmm. we get a new definition of the Mandalorian culture. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. there's, there's a clear definition of, of potentially a, a triad faction thing. You know, it's, it's not crazy to consider that after this display of honor in battle in the finale, that you've got the beginnings of, uh, I guess a three man, if you count Grogu, a right. three man, yeah. uh, uh, guild or tribe. 
Yeah, which, you know, is also interesting because when you consider, you know, Din Djarin was not um, on Mandalore. He was saved by Death Watch and, and you know, and brought into the fold. And Grogu, who now they're considering, you know, a Mandalorian, you know, part of the part of the culture, uh, you know, and not even like not even close to being a humanoid. Like it's it's <laughs> uh, it's really, you know, it's great because of that. And so we're seeing that now we see it play out in Mandalorian. We now saw it play out in, in Book of Boba Fett. And I like I like the, the points that we're all making here is like, yeah, this is where they're kind of pushing it that like. You know, you have choices and you can choose to be with what family or sect or whatever you want. And, you know, you're not you don't have a pre-written destiny, as you know, we've always heard, like in Star Wars, like it's your destiny. You don't have a choice. And well, no, you you do have a choice and you may think it's a predetermined thing, but it's not like Grogu was, you know, oh, you got to be a Jedi, be a Jedi. And now we find out, at least right now, he's like, no, I don't really want to do that. I want to do this. I want to hang out with Mando and be a Mandalorian. And Boba Fett's, I, I don't want to be a bounty hunter anymore. I, I want to have people. I want to have community. I want to, you know, live a life of purpose other than just like being paid to, to hunt people down and, and kill them. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you I know, I've that... had a theory that, that the, um, the Mandalorian uh, guild, that Din Djarin, the foundlings, the reason why it's against their creed to remove their helmet is because they want to preserve the mystique of the Mandalorians. And if people found out that they were from different races and different planets, that would mm. kind of shatter that whole idea. So that's that's been my theory. Not a bad um, theory. Well, taking away individuality is a, a hallmark of... Uh, cultish brainwashing yeah, cults. Yeah. patterns. So right. that makes perfect sense. And, you know, I'm thinking that we we saw just enough with the choice that Grogu was given and probably made, but there's a little bit of mystery shrouding how that conversation actually went down. But we yeah. didn't get a direct challenge to the existing canon that Leia was the first student of the Academy. I think that was kind of a giveaway of what the choice would become. Um I, you know, I think it was all woven in very well. I'm curious if there's going to be more Book of Boba Fett or if it was a detour limited series style from an overall Mandalorian tale that we're getting told. Yeah, I think like a Mando 2.5. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it's all going to be just a chapter in the Mandalorian saga. Hmm. Uh, normally, by this point, Disney would have announced a season two already. Yeah. And they haven't. I don't think there's an intention to do a season two. I think it's just going to continue in the Mandalorian. Yeah. He'll, right. he'll show it, up in two episodes and be mostly featured. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the reverse. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I like how they're tying every, you know, they're, they're all these series are going to intersect with each other. I mean, I'm not sure about how Kenobi may or may not considering where it is in the timeline. So I, I don't know. I think that may be more of a standalone, but we'll mm -hmm. see. Um, but, you know, with the Ahsoka show coming out, that's definitely bound to intersect because they're, they seem to be going in the same timeline. And this is where we're going to get, you know, obviously get Thrawn and probably a continuation of Rebel. Well, basically, it will be a continuation of Rebels, at least from the Thrawn side of things. Um, and then and I guess to Andor will be predate a lot of this. But, you know, but you may see a Boba Fett show up in, in Andor, you know. 
You know, he well, can he can intersect. I mean, it's the prime time when he's being a uh, in in a, his bounty hunting days, and and uh, we know Cassian Andor is you know he's doing what he has to do. <laughs> he's got some blood on his hands. He's a little yeah. bit dirty, and yeah, Kenobi and and Andor may intersect, and uh, Boba Fett could appear in either one of them. Yeah. Yes. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Now, Especially uh, if they go in with the whole, because we know Boba Fett and Vader were working together and, you know, he sent them to Tatooine to go look for Luke, you know, if you're going off comics and all that. So there's definitely, I mean, listen, Boba Fett worked for the Empire. Like it was it. He didn't care. Whoever was paying his bill and the Empire paid pretty well. Well, am I am I sketching in partial ignorance to wonder if uh, they might weave in Andor's dark uh, operations and and history into the answer of where the hell Grogu went when he was removed from? I mean, we still don't know the answer. What if no. what if that was part of one of his storylines? What if he's involved in that smuggling operation Ooh. in some way? I mean, there are plenty of ways. Great that they could, question weave things in mm, i like that i never would have i never thought of that but that 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 would be really cool yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be down with it <laughs> well throughout this series we got introduced to a lot of new characters in the uh, star wars universe uh actually reprising the character of fennec shand is the incredible oh she's so good ming na wen and yeah, I thought she was 52, but someone told me she's 56 years old. Does Get anyone out of know here. <laughs> how old she is? I do not. I'd have to I know she's in her 50s, but let me, let me go to let me go to uh the IMDb. She's 58. 58. Holy cow. <laughs> how is that possible? And uh just killing it. I mean I love the fact that every role she plays just about she's a badass and she looks like yeah. she wants to tear you into little shreds just by glancing at you. Uh, but she has such a, a variety of personality in, in her roles. And yeah, I, we're seeing a lot of 50 something women just really reminding everybody that it's just a number. Yeah. Yep. Charlize Theron and uh, 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 Halle Berry and, yeah, that the whole cast of Gunpowder Milkshake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys. Um, all throughout the series, I felt uneasy about Fennec Shan's motivations. I felt mm. like at any moment she might flip and turn on Boba Fett. There, there was just this feeling I had. And it didn't happen. Spoiler alert. She remained loyal to him. Right. And um, maybe she was looking for family too. But um, did anyone else feel like that there was that underlying tension that didn't come out in the script necessarily, but just in her eyes and in the way she looked at things and reacted? I'm not so sure I was waiting for her. I mean, at least this is my sense. I wasn't so sure that she wasn't... I let me just say it again. I was, I was sure she wasn't going to turn on Boba Fett. I, I felt like they established enough of the backstory there, and especially when they showed him saving her when you know he could have killed her and all this, and just left her for dead. So she owes him definitely a life debt, much like how you know Han and Chewie have that that uh, t- together. You know the life debt. The one thing I did 
think might have might happen which she would wish she would go rogue and do something and kind of go against what he wanted to do just because she thought it was right which wouldn't necessarily be her her turning against him just doing what she thought that she had to do to protect the fold so i kept waiting for that other shooter jumpy like no you know what i'm gonna go do this because i know it's right and of course you know it probably would have been a bad decision but uh except that i love uh, there was so much going on in that last episode, though, that I actually forgot that she disappeared. And when that whole like that whole assassin scene at the end, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is all this is so great. Like, I completely forgotten about her yeah. when she disappeared in that episode after she saved the mods. And I was like, oh, <laughs> the glorious fashion of of her just being a badass assassin. But just I, I didn't get the feeling that she was going to double cross him. It was more or less. I just thought she was going to maybe take matters in her own hands at some point. Okay. Okay. Lucas, what did you think? I took her, uh, her demeanor to be, uh, unsure who she had hooked the wagon with, you know, like, Oh boy, does this guy have any idea what the hell he's doing? That was the the vibe I picked up. Well, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stick around if he can't figure this out. And I also think she came equipped with more worldly knowledge and understanding of how, these underworld systems worked and she was trying to figure out how to, to teach him that in a discovery. I I thought it was interesting to see her not be a look like, like uh, just a, 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 a exposition based superior knowledge. Like, look, I know these things. I've been through these things. You should listen to me. Instead. She was very background saying maybe this, maybe that. Do you really think this? really bringing him into knowledge of his own discovery. And I think that's the, the cynical vibe that I was picking up from her. Yeah. I I definitely felt like she wasn't, she was, she was along for the ride, but she was kind of doubting that this whole rule with respect and building community was going to work. And I definitely feel like by the, that final scene of the finale that, she had bought into that whole whole vibe because that's what they have. They have a clan at the end. I, I think also she also love- taught him that you, you can't rule on diplomacy and management alone. I think she taught him that hard power has to also accompany soft. And that was the lesson that I think he ended up coming away with. Yep. I was just going to, I was just going to make a point about that. And I also think he learned the lesson of which, which I think he was used to, right? Of just being like his reputation preceded him. Therefore people were already fearful of him. Um, which also I feel like was also the audience as well. You know, like we all Boba Fett's so cool, the guy in the suit, like it's yeah, mysterious. we had this and, head and it was canon, right? Not based was, in any reality. <laughs> right, exactly. And it was kind of like now he's making that transition, and I think she was teaching him that, like, hey, you're more than just the dude in the suit you know mysterious like you've got to do more than just kind of be like well i'm boba fett and it's like you know it's kind of like yeah who cares like you know like people forgot about you you're in a starlight pit like no one you know like it, the name wasn't carrying as much weight as it used to when like maybe you know running around the empire days and it'd be like i'm boba fett it's like oh crap i'm you know if you know boba fett well i think tail, she, she brought in the, the the hamilton lesson winning is easy governing's harder mm. she was there to kind of provide that reminder Good point. Johnny's mute. Johnny is on mute. By most accounts. 
has muted. <laughs> By most himself. accounts, he was um, in the in the Tuscans tribe for about five years. So yeah, you know, not only had yeah. he been presumed dead at the uh, the sail barge explosion, the unfortunate incident, but he, you know, he's been doing something different for the last five years, and yeah, people had forgotten about him. I think. I think they did too. I mean, I just probably considered hey, just another casualty of of the the empire, the war. You know, like he's a bounty hunter. Like bounty hunters don't live that long, especially in, in a galaxy that's you know ruled by the empire at the time. You know. So speaking of Andor's shady past, maybe Grogu <laughs> is a very tiny spice mule, <laughs> and Ming is still the cavalry even in space. And <laughs> next time, don't push my buttons. The Spice Mule comment uh, was cracking me up earlier. I was having a really, I first read it and about busted out. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you got that one up. On the the space oh, I like this comment too. Speak softly and ride a rancor. Yeah. Ooh. Rancor whisperer. Yeah. Oh, Danny Trejo. Which also now makes you feel even more sympathetic for, the uh the 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 trainer the keeper oh, yeah. in Return of the Jedi when Luke kills a Rancor yeah now, now you understand the emotional attachment and I'm like oh but I like how they go that far like once again what we're talking about the cultures and diving into like little bits about the characters like learning about the Rancor and a connection so it makes that scene in Jedi now a little more sympathetic I, I agree and and uh, Tony says that uh, he agrees with you Lucas that. Fennec Shand was Boba Fett's guide as he was finding his way. And speaking of headcanon, what put the dent in Boba's helmet? A Rancor couldn't bite a dent in Mando's. Was he attacked by a headcanon? So <laughs> there is there's a lot of debate about that. Well, there is quote-unquote canon that was never really... It was never released. But they do kind of acknowledge it in the show. Through that, through some of the that, attitudes yeah. and dialogue, if if we are to believe the Clone Wars account, it was a duel between Boba Fett and Cad Bane, and Cad Bane used a weapon strong enough to dent Beskar. Mm -hmm. That's got to be one hell of a weapon. It has to be the uh, Star Wars Beskar bullets, dirty Harry hand cannon. Yeah. <laughs> Which is in why also Cad Bane has a metal plate under his head, and you see it when his hat is away, and that's kind of a little nod to like because they both basically shot each other in the head. Yeah, uh, Dave Mattingly says maybe Danny Trejo was the Rancor's mother. <laughs> <laughs> he he, well, he might pass as it anyway. Um, <laughs> I love that cameo. I love all the little cameos oh, that we're so getting. Even some of these background characters that are fantastic actors, uh, uh, fantastic well, character and bit actors. Yep. It, it was just such a good lineup of yeah. interesting folks. Speaking no, no of women in their you. 50s. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I was I was blown away by this cameo. I was so happy. Uh, blown <laughs> I was away. Like, this is fantastic. I see what you did there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah this was she awesome. is the one character I was really heartbroken to lose. Mm -hmm. um, I really wanted to see more of Master Garza. Yeah. 
And when I, I have a feeling we probably will in uh, if we do uh, earlier things before this timeline and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I think we, we might because it seems like she's been around. She was around when Jabba was was ruling. Yeah. And of course, we didn't see a body. So. Right. Yeah. There was no what's on, the, what's the time on frame death. for the Obi-Wan. What's where does Obi-Wan take place in the timeline? I think it's, it's eight years or 10 years. After Revenge of the Sith, because Luke, I think, is like eight or ten. I can't remember. It's, yeah. He's but he's he's a boy. Okay, so it's in between three and four. Yeah, correct. The only place it could be Lucas. So it can overlap <laughs> a lot. Of, it could overlap the Andor. Well, it's thing. a twenty-year period, basically. Um, could be, yeah. Especially if if Andor knows because the rebellion is in swing. They obviously I they're could... in touch with with him. I could see her. Who knows? I don't know what the life. I, I mean, somebody is going to correct me. I'm sure that knows the lifespan of Twi'leks, but uh, you know, she could be a character in that. She could. She could be a recurring character in in mm-hmm. that time period, coming up through her her industry and and gaining the steam to own her own joint. Yeah. So, so you guys were talking about these uh, cameos and these characters, and one of the things I've loved about Dave Filoni and John Favreau is that they they know how to cherry pick the expanded universe mm. and how to properly bring characters from other you know media in and we got this guy ah chrysanthemum yeah. such a cool so cool i'm so happy they they did that and he he was listen this guy was so bad to the bone yeah. That he could take uh, blaster shots, multiple. I mean, he must have been shot 20 times with a blaster and yeah. still didn't go down. That's a total Robert Rodriguez thing, too. <laughs> yeah. And and he first appeared actually in Dr. Afra, but this is uh, mm-hmm. one of the more recent uh, issues of the Star Wars comic series by Marvel, which is canon. And this is one of the scenes from that issue yep. where they actually have met and uh, worked together. And that's why you got that familiarity here in this scene. Um, mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's another cool thing to explore about the, the, the world of the underworld version of star Wars and the bounty hunters that, yeah, these guys have partnered up on things and, you know, done jobs together and or, you know, cross paths on the same job. I mean, we saw it, you know, we, we've seen it in Mandalorian, right? They're all, everybody's got the same tracker, you know, who's who's going to get it first. So they're <laughs> either working with each other or against each other. Chrysanthemum well, has been building up an immunity to blasters by injecting himself with liquid Beskar. It could happen. <laughs> Who knows? And, you know, and hey, Dave, I like Dave the story says, about this actor as well. Yeah. Well, well, before we get to that, I, I got to po- pop this up for Dave. Dave says, Flashdance <laughs> yes. Beals. And just for you, Dave. <laughs> oh, what a feeling. There you go. Beals <laughs> believed in. There you go, Dave. Are you happy? You should be happy. All right. So I think we're seeing, we're seeing the emergence of a great new... Uh, creature actor or or uh main face alien actor 
uh, along the lines of Doug Jones' path. Uh, Carrie Jones, the the actor in the suit, this is his first major recurring role. He had two spots in Creep Show, and before that, it's all like puppeteer and demon and werewolf and suit performer. Most of his credits are makeup and special effects, and it's so rad to see a someone moved up into that kind of slot from yep. the craft, but B someone so good because he, he's just good. He emoted yes. so well through this makeup. There was so much emotion in, in Chris Anton. His eyes. I mean, I mean look at that. He just yeah. had that great, great stare and, Really, yeah, I agree. I mean, to to be that in all that makeup and that outfit and still carry through a performance that reads, yeah, is, is phenomenal. The I think he knows how to work the... it because he knows the craft, right? Yeah, and and, right. and the Agreed. scene with him in Sanctuary, where he's watching the trans notions, and and he's just getting angrier and angrier and angrier, and you are just seeing all of that happen. It was just, it was brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, that was really good. Um. Okay, my new favorite alien actor is David. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? The Major Domo Pesquisi. I think is it. Yeah, I think it is Pesquisi. Yeah, I think so. Listen, I loved sorry, his character. Sorry if he's listening. <laughs> I loved his character. I couldn't find any pictures of him online today. Really? Which not I even found... the one where he's reading the from the tablet. No. Wow. And you know, a lot of fans, a lot of commentators had issue with him really? because he was so glib and so contemporary. And they, I knew that they were going to explain it. I was like, listen, not all Twi'leks are, you know, speak with an accent or right. have this chiseled, filed teeth like Bib Fortuna. You know, some of them have been educated. Yes. And we found out he was educated on Coruscant. Yeah, not that it makes me better than you. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved so everything it was about fantastic. him. Yeah, he was fantastic. No, he was phenomenal. And that that entire scene, the, what what a scene stealer of that entire scene, but totally orchestrated on purpose. I love that they really let him shine during that and let him like show off his acting chops because it was. That was phenomenal. And I love the reoccurring joke of, um, do you have an appointment? Like that was, that was in those those first few episodes was great. (laughs) It's a minor point, mind you, but, um, (laughs) and and does it strike anyone else odd? Let's just back up here for a moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. That in the star Wars universe, Twilight women are like the supermodels. They are like, I don't know. There's something like really super attractive to me about Twilight's. Well, that, that one me? dude that was walking around the club was, you know, Mr. Hot Stuff too. I think yeah. I think we're seeing the work areas where they have to be good looking. You know, we've yeah. seen them as the slaves and and the window dressing to tyrants and we've seen them in this environment of this club you know, she sends the male female team after people as greeters, and they're both hot, right? Like, yeah. it's it's a. I think you're seeing it in a context uh, of the professional realm that right. they're in. 
I and think that there's sh- probably a full breadth of, of all of it across the board. Mm. Just like we're also discovering that they apparently come in many different skin tones. And, yeah. you know, the deep dive episode on their culture needs to be done because I think it'd be interesting to see exactly how many... Yeah. Well, they, they've explored that quite a bit in Bad Clone Batch. Wars and, and the Rebels series. In Bad uh, Batch, okay. we got that episode on Ryloth at the beginning where we met Hera, um, you know, a young Hera at that time, and she still had the accent because she was still there. Like, that was a oh, great yeah. uh, little arc because that was like, I don't know, a two, two-episode arc where they were on Ryloth, and we got to do a little bit more deep dive there. And, of course, in, in, in Rebels where she had to go back and, you know, she wanted to get the um, their, their cultural uh, piece of art and all that. And so, yeah, I, I love it. And and we've seen them rise to the ranks of, you know, being like, you know, job of slave to like leading armies and, you know, being in command of like rebel fleets, like and and obviously, you know, running like <laughs> casinos, <laughs> underground casinos. <laughs> Yeah. The major domo was Ed Rooney to Boba Fett's Ferris Bueller. That's funny. <laughs> and the helmet shiner Twilight dude was quite a bohunk. <laughs> Would you like me to you shine like your helmet? helmet? Wink, wink. That's yeah, it, I think was there a, was some yeah. double entendre there for sure. Some really clever lines. Yeah. Yes. Now, that's going to bring us to another fan favorite character. Cobb Vanth, played by yep. Timothy Oliphant. Mm-hmm. And he was a character, you know, we talked about Filoni and Favreau bringing characters from the other uh, media. He was originally introduced in the novel, yep. Aftermath. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, he appeared again as the marshal of uh, uh, Moss... Uh, Moss... Um, Moss Espa. Oh, no, not Moss Espa, sorry. Ma- well, now Ma- Freedom Town. Freedom Town. Yeah, Freetown. Yeah. Freetown. Thank you. Thank you. And what a just what a, Freetown. It's easier. What a yeah. great actor he was. And I want to talk about him in context of this scene. Oh. You know, he's he's standing here, and and basically he is the Clint Eastwood character in this story. Mm-hmm. And we've got, you know, Angel Eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh Van Cleve uh, from the good, the bad, and the ugly walking up. And, you know, I I love the line that um, Cobb says a couple of times, think it through. I I love that line. Yep, me too. But here in this scene, and this is, uh, I think, episode four? Or is it episode? No, it's episode six. Episode yeah, six. It's episode six because that's where, yeah, because we pick up. Yeah. Um, um, this is straight out of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and this is what I loved about this series and what I loved about The Mandalorian as well. But you basically have this mashup of Westerns and Samurai and <laughs> so good. World War II Mom. fighter pilots. Yeah, in space. I'm like, give me more. Yeah, really. Mashing up three of my favorite things. That scene that you're talking about, and really all of his scenes, you have a guy, Oliphant, with with bona fide Western resume chops. His body of work, 
is is so proven in the yeah. western genre and the bartender same deal he was in some western stuff and so you had a a lot of good source there and then you had that visual like just like what you described a very very eastwood film kind of treatment and my deficiency is the animated films uh and series or or the animated series mm-hmm. but maintaining i try to maintain at least a surface level knowledge so i know major characters and the recognizability that that just that silhouette on the horizon just that that yeah. instant anyone who's even done any homework at all was like cad bane like just boom yeah. right there like uh oh you know everyone knew even people with a passing knowledge of big bads yeah a hundred percent when this happened, when I see and like right away, like I knew something, you know, like they, they started that so great, like Mando leaves and uh, and then you get like the, the, the little disturbance of chimes and he knows something's in the air and then he looks and <laughs> and the minute you see that silhouette, though, I was like, oh, my God, finally, I'm like, please be Cad Bane. Like, because this is a character that I absolutely loved since Clone Wars. And then I was so happy when they brought him back. And then he, you know, there was never like a finale to his story. They were supposed to finalize it, which was what we were talking about. But it never it never happened. They didn't do that episode of Clone Wars. And then when, when Disney brought it back for that final season, they didn't do any Cad Bane stuff at all. They focused on the Ahsoka side of what was going, you know, what, what was happening on Ahsoka's side of everything when Anakin was getting tempted to to turn. And so we never really had a finish to his story. And then, you know, we go through all of Rebels. Maybe he'll show up there. Doesn't show up there. Finally, we get him again in Bad Batch, which was phenomenal, which was the, all the great stuff with him and Fennec really going back and forth. And, uh, and so it was like, oh, are we going to get more of him? And then to see him show up in live action was I honestly, it was just an amazing for me as a fan, I geeked out for sure, but it was so great. And they did it so well to bring him back in, in a, in the right way for the show. Now, Chris, you've seen the animatic that was not released. Yes. Um, Lucas, have you seen that? The the final duel between Boba Fett and Cad, well, not the final, but the previous duel, the animatic that they've, the head shooting floated thing. around yeah mm-hmm. it was on youtube for the longest time i have not because because that's what you know people were expecting to see that in live action and yeah. we kind of got it but what i loved is they they did it in a way that with a twist like mm-hmm. everything in this series um mm-hmm. you know boba fett doesn't shoot him down in cold blood right away he gets shot first and it looks like he's you know on the ropes and then it's it's that Tuscan Rainer training that uh, yeah. saves the day, and right. I, I love the fact the that stick would come into the mix, and it me did. Me too. So I'm good. so glad they brought that back, and and like it just reminded you once again the blending of the two, the old and the new. Right, he's using his old but bounty hunter ways, but meanwhile he's bringing in what he was trained with this culture that really everybody discounts as like savages, and you know, and they're not obviously but I, I love that he basically defeats him using something that you know he doesn't even know how to fight against he doesn't even know how to defend against it and yeah, I, I think if, if, if anybody believes that cad bane is done they're they're no. they're on that, crack that little that beeping little on beep. his chest yep. that 
that is at the very least an emergency come get me if not a literal defibrillator or some other yeah. there is something going on there and that yeah. was deliberate and he is not gone well his little side droid which we didn't say i forgot his name um the the side droid that's like completely loyal yeah, to him and is like yeah. in every episode that's like his hmm. r2d2 essentially um who helps him get out of jams and everything i gotta imagine that's gotta be that beeping and yeah keeping him alive defibrillator and then like the droid signaling the droid to come get him or something so that makes a lot of sense hey guys we're at the top of the hour i need to acknowledge (laughs) uh our sponsor loot crate lootcrate.com use our promo code serial 10 and take 10 percent off they are a great sponsor glad to have them along check them out lootcrate.com So before we get into the last two episodes, we do have to talk about one of the big controversies of this series. I am talking about the mods. (laughs) Who, I got to be honest with you, I loved. I loved them too. I I feel like I'm in a... in a minority of this, but I actually really enjoyed them. I love it. It's like quadrophenia. <laughs> yeah, I totally got what they were going for. You know, what? yes, it's a used universe, but now we're five years after the fall of the empire. Society's being rebuilt. People are being prosperous. And why can't there be color in the Star Wars universe? They're, they would have been right at home in Coruscant. Yes. And yeah. And Lucas, you know, you and I living in Nashville, Tennessee, m- compared to where Chris is in New York, we're we're considered rural America. And how often do teenagers and college kids imitate the uh, the style and attitudes of the cosmopolitan areas of our country? And, and they seem to not fit in where they're at. Right. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at, so, you know, I grew up outside of Nashville and there was always somebody with a shiny, bright, sporty, hot roddy something uh, that was not from the Tennessee pages. And now that I'm up here in Michigan, you see some of that, you know, that it's, it's the Midwest. It's not terribly compatible yet. You see some, you see, you know, a Tesla that's perfectly shiny in the, in the salty, snowy, week you know you're like well that doesn't make any sense but for that person it does and when i first saw them it was a little jarring because it was like oh where did that come from but then you think about it it's a very busy spaceport there are all kinds of people in and out it you know questioning them is like questioning the rickshaw you know very easy to trade out and get the things that you need and to me too like this is even this image this is like punk rock to me and that's why Mm -hmm. i love this because you know, I, I was involved, very heavily involved in a punk and hardcore scene here. You know, this was, I was in, you know, I was in bands. I did this. And so I I find this, this fits right in. Like what's to be punk and all that is to, is to go against the norm, right? To stand out, to like not care. And this, what's more punk rock than this? And then, you know, modify yourself with like, you know, Android parts and stuff. I, I don't know. I dug it. And it also too, like, you know, it was because uh, I, I really enjoyed Alita, um, Robert Rodriguez's film, Alita. Uh, Battle Angel. Battle Angel. I, my wife and I absolutely adored that film. Yeah. I'm really disappointed they're not making another one. I hope they do. Uh, but uh, this, to me, reminded me of, like, 
the elite like alita i I don't know i really i i liked it i i know a lot of people but i don't know i I dug it 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 makes perfect sense you you got a universe where no one has to have any consequences for losing a limb because there's always a a robotic replacement and why wouldn't it be a recreational or uh augmentation uh avenue as well you know it makes perfect sense that that would be uh, part of the culture just because we haven't seen it yet that's the whole point but, but of, we of have standing we have seen it darth yeah. vader no i mean Luke. these guys oh yeah yeah well you know, yeah um, we we've only seen, seen military punks. applications but it makes perfect sense that somebody might decide you know what i want you know different badass eyeballs so i'm going to go to the uh the mod shop and of course it's underground of course it's yeah. like dirty secret whatever because they probably can't afford it back on Coruscant in an official, you know, capacity. Right. Uh, an officially sanctioned and licensed establishment. <laughs> right. And exactly. I, I love the meta with the mods too. So um, they, they are called the mods because they are modified. But yeah, the whole thing with the, uh, the Vespa style speeder bikes in the bright colors is a direct reference to the mods, mm-hmm. the the countercultural uh, kids in London right. during the '60s that were riding, mm-hmm. you know, bright shiny Vespas, but into the punk rock yep. scene. And apparently, George Lucas himself was at one time part of the mod scene. Right. And, and oh, go ahead, John. I so I just I love all of that meta layer. Right. Yeah. And and the callbacks to let's not forget American graffiti. You oh, know, yeah. we know yes. George Lucas is a fan of hot rods and the classic car and the muscle cars of the era he like it's it, it, he made an entire love letter to that to that time in American graffiti. So I think it's also great that this is not only is this, but they're also paying tribute to like, you know, what the original creator um, you know, was trying to do with with getting those different things in there. So I, I don't know. I still don't, I don't have a problem with it. I get it, Tony. I, I see all the yeah. I so I'm going to show those going. comments. So Tony says the uh, <laughs> the effects for the mod vehicles did not work. That episode was a little bit clunky. Uh, I think it was episode three or four with the speeder bike chase, and that's because it was practical. They were practical effects. It wasn't CGI. Yeah, and- that was another Robert Rodriguez thing too. You could uh, had his fingerprints all over it. Yeah, yeah, and and um, you know, he Tony says the mods boo. Uh, if you want to introduce younger set on Tatooine, go young guns. I, okay, but I disagree with you, Tony. I don't think it did not fit. I think it fit perfectly with the greater Star Wars universe. We're seeing just a we're seeing those mm. Coruscant wannabes on Tatooine. Yeah, that's what it is. Just like here in Nashville, for years we had the New York wannabes. These are the Coruscant wannabes. And now you don't have to even uh, deal with the wannabes. You have the literal New York hmm. uh, uh, buy up all the housing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Dave Mattingly didn't even think about the American graffiti connection, and that was the first thing I thought of. Me before too. Before I even started researching the mods and and the references to. Uh, 
60s London. Did we catch Dave's Moss Vespa a second ago? Was that, uh, did you snag that one? That was cracking me up. Moss Vespa, oh, that's funny. I missed that one. That's, that that's really good. And he did that, say that the articulation of Cad Bane's mouth amazes me. Yeah. That was oh, good too. They did yeah. a phenomenal job on the effects on that. I loved it. Great job. Now, this was a moment that I thought was just <laughs> phenomenal. When this is he, what I've always he, wanted to see. <laughs> when he finally gets the gunship back and he is taking it to the Nikto biker gang. Yep. Love Brutal, yeah. vengeful. It's just cold-blooded revenge. So no emotion in it at all. Yep. Very, very good scene. Yeah. Is that from a, is that, that looks like a rendering. Is that that's, from that, the, Yeah, that's concept art. Yeah, because yeah. I love how they do that at the end of all the episodes. And they're yeah, doing I it with Mandalorian too. One of the best they, things about that show. I'm looking so forward to the yeah. art books that are inevitable coming the, the out Macquarie, of these The Ralph Macquarie-influenced uh, style of storyboarding. Just gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I, I love all of that too. And and the Macquarie influence is so, <laughs> so, so great. All right, we go into episode five and six, which for some people was a very sharp departure. But I think it was important that we reacquaint ourselves with Din Djarin and some of the lore, especially for people who maybe didn't watch The Mandalorian or who had forgotten, because they're really wanting to give him some gravitas coming into the fight um we we're talking about you know the retro american graffiti connection can we talk about oh. the naboo speeder or oh, yeah. uh, fighter jet yeah the the uh the totally uh street legal yeah <laughs> so so great oh that I, thing I, is phenomenal the only complaint that i had about it was they kind of blew themselves uh on their story with the bubble top like that was obviously a grogu compartment yeah they, they had one that away but you, you kind of knew <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so i loved these episodes with uh din Jaren, uh episode uh five building this the uh starfighter and then we get to episode six and for me chris this oh, was yeah. the most Star Wars Star Wars ever made. I think that's what I said too. I think you and I were both I think you and I both left the same comment somewhere without even knowing it, but like this is the most Star Wars thing Star Wars has, has done in the last 20 years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the callbacks to oh, Empire Strike Back. Mm -hmm. And then we get this. Mm. Look, I get chills just looking at this still frame. Yeah, the new and, and improved deep fake. The, the improvement yeah. that they made on the the CGI, the deep fake technology, because they hired the guy that yes, like created it. Yeah, they hired the guy that that basically did the video on YouTube that was like, here's their version and here's my version, and they were yep. like, okay, we're just gonna hire you. <laughs> yeah, and and it was shocking how good it was it was really well done i mean really really 
<laughs> I'm like, I want that guy to go back and fix all the stuff now. Well, previously. I think I think he is. I, I think mean, especially he... Tarkin from yeah, you know, Rogue One. <laughs> well, well, now let's let's talk about that because at the time, Tarkin was done really well. I agree. I 100% agree, but it just goes to show how great, how many, how much the technology has improved since then. So I just feel like, you know, it's just even. Yeah. It's it's, it's it's time to go back and tweak it in a Lucasian style. Right. And give him the, give him the respect that, you know, he deserves. uh, And and for that matter, uh, tweaking Leah, 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 Leah. And um, in that and, and in uh, 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 Rise Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah. Both of them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, now, the uh, the episode is, though, a little tragic in a way because yeah. he still hasn't figured out all the stuff he figured out in mm-hmm. the last three uh, of the, trilo- of the, the last trilogy of the saga. Yeah. He still believes in his own BS. He and, and that is revealed in these conversations with him and Ahsoka, yeah. which, again, sent me over the moon. Oh my in, gosh. In my head canon, Chris, yep. I believe that during the past five years that he has completed his training with Ahsoka. Yeah, and that she has answered every question he ever had about his father. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, can you imagine the look on his face when he must like when he now knowing that that was his father's Padawan and that she fought side by side with him before <sighs> he turned? Like, I mean, can you I I can I just imagine hearing oh, yeah. that like and that his, line you uh, remind me of your father i know so good or you're now, so much like your father whatever the line was yeah, I, for, I forgot yeah. if i'm doing it justice or not but now during this scene did anyone else hear this song in their head run 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 jump <laughs> i can be your backpack while you run <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, right now, no, after this, go look up uh, Seagulls. Stop it now. Mm-hmm. You will be glad you did. Yes, mm-hmm. you will. All right. So I'm going to, this, this is one of the final scenes where mm-hmm. Luke, in, in a very similar fashion to the way Yoda gave Luke a choice. Mm-hmm. In Empire Strikes Back, you know, either complete your training or rush off to your friends. You know, yeah. um, Luke is giving Grogu the same choice. And I found that a little bit odd, but at the same time, a little bit tragic, as Lucas said. Yep. You know, didn't Luke learn from his own experience that, you know, you don't have to choose one or the other? And sometimes the the right choice is not the best choice. Yeah. I, I mean I, I it is a little tragic that way that he hasn't let go of that Jedi dogma, which is the thing that I, I destroyed to me, destroyed the Jedi Order because they, they start drinking way too much of their own Kool-Aid on that yeah. stuff. And and ultimately, you know, and look what happened. They let, you know, they let Sidious come in and Empire rose right under, right under their noses because they were too obsessed with, with religious dogma instead of, you know, what they should have been more, um, had their, you know, more attention on. However, you know, I also want to cut Luke a little bit of slack because he doesn't know anything. There's no one really right. around. I mean, I, who knows what Ahsoka taught him? I mean, Ahsoka walked away from the Jedi Order because of the nonsense. Well, we know somewhere... 
somewhere along the line, he gets the collection of the Jedi texts. Right, but I don't know if that's happened yet at this point. Yeah. But maybe it has because he's building the huts like they look like on Octu. So I'm not not 100% sure when that happens. I mean, we you know we know he gets the tree, the Jedi, the, the last tree that was uh, growing in the Jedi Temple because there's that whole comic um, where that kind of fills in a little bit. And, you know, I know there's stuff that with the video games, which I, I'm not very familiar with the storylines, but those are considered canon, I guess, as well. But there's not too much yet that fills in luke's journeys after jedi and then we've got this huge chunk of time and then we know you know he does the academy and kylo ren kills everybody and you know so there's all this like there's a lot of stuff we just don't know yet um i just feel like uh, luke is you know and we see it he's doubting himself he's still you know he's like i don't know you know i don't know if i could do this i don't know how to do it like you know he's still that farm boy <laughs> yeah. who uh really you know he knows what he knows but it's not a lot. It's not a lot. I'm not sure if, uh, well, first of all, when the Yoda lightsaber was uh, brought into the scene, I was giddy. There are a lot of giddy moments. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if we know really how that conversation went down. And I think we're being kept in the dark to give them the license to play with that in the future. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a uh, whatever the equivalent of a teenaged Grogu is, um, all of a sudden bust out with a little bit of both skills. So Dave Mattingly has a couple yeah. of great comments here. He says, Luke may have seen Sophie's Jedi choice as an important part of training. What is most important to you, career or family? Okay. Wow, interesting, interesting observation. I, I actually like that. That's yeah, it gives a lot of thought and credence, I think, to that decision. And very well may have been Luke testing him in that way as part of training. I mean, it, you know, because he had the choice put to him, and he, you got to say, Luke did learn something from that experience of, you know, having told this, he went and he did it, and and actually, Luke really didn't do anything. Actually, he made that situation worse by him going. But but here's here's what bothered me about that whole scene of Luke training Grogu and then this conversation between him and Ahsoka uh, talking about Grogu ha has all of these attachments and he he can't he can't you know really let go of the attachments and. That was that was, you know, the prequel Jedi Code. Exactly, and, and right. you know that was that was part of their downfall. And you know, Qui Gon Jinn was pushing against that. Yes, and and but at the end of the day, Luke of all people should have learned the lesson that you know you don't have to abandon your attachments because it was the attachment that Vader had to him yep. that was his redemption. Right. That saved Vader in the end. Yeah, and it was almost Luke's, and it was Luke's attachment finding out that it, Leia was his sister that almost turned him to the dark side. But the thing is, he overcame it. The thing is, he overcame it. He he got control of his emotions, and he overcame it. You know, and he's. Yeah. I, I feel like they're always going to be grappling. I feel like, listen, this is it, right? As I think, if you're if you're one side to the other, you're always going to be drawn to the opposite side because that's just the natural way of things, right? It's. Feel like that's universe wanting to balance you out 
And that's why when you look at like an Ahsoka Tano or even like, you know, Ray, like they begin to really, you know, and who knows what Ray's going to do, but you start to feel like they're blending, you know, being able to live in the balance of both sides of the force and not going one way or the other, but really walking down the middle and having that balance. Um, because I think that, and I think that's, you know, listen, you know what, the Sith are too far one way and the Jedi obviously are too far one way. So that's just life, you know, there's good and bad and you got to learn how to balance it out and just make the best decisions. Well, and we're also seeing a lot, like if you take these stories in their chronological progression, the future is less strict in the lanes. Mm -hmm. The future is the, uh, the blurred lines of of Ray's status mm-hmm. and the Finn obviously kind of sort of something's going on, but dude's going to go his own way. He's not going to go be a right. Jedi necessarily. And I think yeah. they're getting and and of course they were very deliberate about like the yeah. kids with the broom and the in right. the in the barn. I think they there this is the first of many little steps along the story that that'll play out of course as as those three yeah. other stories come in um to really just start that new era of recognition that there's a that there's a right. crossover to it all i mean leia didn't become a jedi right y- you know and she was able to use the force and lead armies and you know and she never you know was she tempted who probably she i'm sure she was tempted to go i mean i think that's just what happens and I just think how you deal with it, how you control your emotions and, and all yeah. that keeps you from going too far one way or the next. But, you know, she operated, as far as we know, perfectly fine not being a Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Lucas, you're going to appreciate this. I've uh, While you guys were talking about that, I had to ban a user on YouTube. Um, we're getting a, a Russian bot. I see that <laughs> posting links to love face online strips without clothing. So uh, it's the uh, it's the first wave of the cyber attack on right. Ukraine. Right. <laughs> or it's code. So <laughs> the kid with the broom was trying out for the Quidditch team. <laughs> or maybe he had just seen break in and wanted to do the turbo dance. That's an old school reference, right? Yeah, there. it is. I was like, "Wow, you're man, welcome. you're busting that out!" Holy smokes! Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, the the oh, man, episode seven. It all comes down to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I mean, Boba Fett <laughs> yes. and Din Jaren side by side, and this is where. I really felt like we see Boba Fett emerge as a hero. Yeah. He he's not just going to war against the Pikes because he's the crime syndicate boss. Now it's about the city, now it's about the planet. And he's really invested himself into protecting these people. And hijinks ensue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and did anyone else's mouth drop when we got the scorpion 
droids oh the droidicas. yeah i'd never yeah. seen those before i don't know if they're from somewhere else and i just was ignorant but they're, they're amped up versions of the droidicas that were in the uh prequels right yeah. right yes. but ha- have they appeared before in, in any media no no just in books um uh, which i i learned this because i was also i did this i'm like wait a second these look like the droidicas but like i don't remember seeing them and it turns out they were in some kind of droid uh battle droid book or something of book of droids okay and it was a picture of them scorpion droid but we've never seen them in any other media other than that i mean they came around the corner and and you know both my son and i were like whoa wait a minute (laughs) yeah i'm like they're in trouble (laughs) they're in big trouble yeah i I love this line guys um dave mattingly reminds us of it uh where din jaren and boba fett you know, I think Boba Fett, Boba Fett says, so we both die with honor. And then the major domo, if I may offer an alternative. Yeah. yeah. And then they both just slowly turn. And I love that whole like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, let's do that. And it's like, of course, it's a decoy. It's to 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 buy time, which was which was brilliant uh strategy. Oh yeah, and I love, I love in his arrogance that he just walks out there to read what he's been given totally unwashed and you you get to see him realize that he has stepped right into the bantha poodoo yeah such he's reading he's oh oh, oh. <laughs> such a good godfather callback too where uh and from godfather too where yeah. he's just like you tell them i give them nothing <laughs> they get nothing <laughs> and yeah. and so so did anyone else okay so the battle's going on the mods are fighting chrysanthemum's fighting he's getting blasted but he's fighting off the trandoshans we realize it's a trap and uh all of a sudden boba fett flies off and we know he's going for reinforcements but i thought maybe he's got some bounty hunter buddies that he's called in because hmm. i had completely even forgot that we were anticipating this. Right. Yeah. I forgot about the Rancor. I, I was expecting, you know, any number of things. I mean, throughout this whole series, I kept expecting Bo-Katan and her people uh, at yes. any moment. So this was very much a semi-surprise. Yep. I agree. I'd forgotten about the Rancor. In fact, I actually said that to my wife when the Rancor came out. I looked at it I go, I completely forgot about the Rancor. <laughs> <laughs> and let me just tell you, I love big stompy monsters. Love kaiju. <laughs> and the way they because this is the first time outside of an animated series and outside of Return of the Jedi that we've seen the Rancor move. Mm-hmm. And I loved how he moved like King Kong. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, he just... definitely got his Kong on. He climbed yeah. the highest tower and yeah. Yeah. I, I loved everything about that. It was it was like um, wrapping yourself up in your favorite old blanket. <laughs> yes, I agree. I, and I also would have loved too if we had found out. This is just you know all the Star Wars. Like I know not everything in Star Wars has to be connected, but sometimes when they do, it's cool. And there is an episode in in uh, in Bad Batch where they uh, they have a baby Rancor and, and it's called Moochie, and, and Moochie's going to Jabba's palace. 
Uh, and uh, and so it would have been nice to see that. It would have been, well, it would have been, I, a, it would have been a funny Moochie, callback. That would be Moochie. Well, no, I think Moochie is the one that Luke. You think killed. Moochie's the one that bit it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes, makes it even more heartbreaking. <laughs> I, I like that the Rancor showed up and added a third tough thing to the battle mm. because until then the two toughest things in the battle were the uh, scorpion droids and that wall everyone hid behind for an inexplicably oh long period of time <laughs> i said that too uh, whatever that was made of uh <laughs> you know that but, and beskar are the two most indestructible uh, substances <laughs> that they have available because i kept they kept cutting back to the wall and i turned to my son and i was like how tough is this wall? Like, I want to know where that wall is in the Star Wars video game, so I can hide behind it. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not kidding. And yeah. I love how badass Cad Bane is. He just like literally walks up to it and it's like flame like flamethrower, uh-huh. like not even like phased by that. He's just like, yeah, runaway rancor, flamethrower. Like <laughs> Dave brings up a good point, and I, this occurred to me too that hmm. maybe he was flying off to bring in other Tuscan tribes. That, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 That because occurred to me too. I thought maybe the the female Tuscan Raider, because um, I don't think we saw the female Tuscan Raider's body uh, with amongst all the dead. So you you think the same thing I do? And I thought maybe uh, that female Tuscan Raider was going to come back with yes, another tribe, or or just she was going to join the fight. Um, and he was going to be like, oh my gosh, you're still you know like have a little reunion moment, but. I got a feeling they're gonna they're saving that. That's gonna so, be so something the, else. The, what I call the Tuscan champion. Yeah, the you one that taught that him how to fight, and yeah. Well, mm. because they were trying to say, I mean, they were trying to show differentiation between with headdress and things like that, yeah. and and I've heard in other places that they identified that Tuscan Raider as female um, because the females were also you know male. They 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 were all warriors. They all everybody fought. You know, it was everybody trained and everybody was treated as equals. Um, and so that was the one, and obviously she was the champion of the tribe. I mean, by far, you know, and she taught him how to fight and then he taught her how to ride the, the ride the speeder bikes. And, you know, I feel like they really built that relationship up and I feel, and then when we were showing, I got, I have to go back and watch, but when they were, when he was looking at the dead, we only saw the, uh, the chief or the leader of the, the head of the tribe. Yeah. Yeah, there was one specific piece of that clear recognition there, but I don't know that. Yeah, that's a good point. The, well, yeah, the the shaman, the chieftain, and then yeah. we see the kids, right? The kids. Gaffy stick. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we didn't see her as among the the dead, and that is an unresolved storyline. Um, that I would love to see them really. Oh, be so great. Take on, but can we just talk about? the real hero of the day in more ways than one. Yes. <laughs> Little Grogu tears the droidicas <laughs> apart. He, I mean, kid was badass, but mm. then <laughs> he puts the rancor to sleep. And how perfect was it that he just curls up beside it <laughs> and goes to sleep? <laughs> so great. I so like great. the implication that he is uh, possibly unreasonably gifted with the Force. It's mm. it's implied by all these feats that he pulls off that he's already at this level of, of raw capability. And that might be 
part of where they go with things is that mm -hmm. by not being trained, what pitfalls and advantages come to him because of that. Sooner well, or later, he's going to have to like inadvertently kill a whole school bus full of little alien children or something. Something's going to happen. He reminds he realizes... me. Of, he reminds me a little bit of Ezra Bridger, yes, um, from Rebels, because Ezra also had this power of being able to commune with with animals, creatures, and you know do things like this. And he, you know, he really his only trainer was Kanan, who you know, spoiler alert. <laughs> Doesn't a does, little bit with Ahsoka. Oh, yes, you're right. A little bit with Ahsoka. He's got some, but not like super formal. And you know, now who knows what we're gonna see if we reconnect with him because years has gone by. And last time we saw him, he was going off with space whales with with Thrawn. So, um, so who knows what's happened? But he seemed to have some sort of like real gift for that. I, I feel like Grogu's probably more powerful than he is. Hmm. Um. But there's definitely some parallels there. Well, and and you remember in this scene that you know we we talked about uh, Luke training Grogu. Mm -hmm. He he tells Ahsoka, it seems like I'm not really training him. I'm helping him remember what he's already learned. Mm -hmm. Key line, um, you're right. Yeah, and and that whole flashback to Order sixty six. Um, golly, I was waiting to see who scooped him up. Uh, that was. <laughs> I can't, oh, that's I, I the tantalizing that. mystery that we have to live with. Barris Offy. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Barris Offy. Oh, I mean, we also, can we also appreciate the meta of the reception he gets when he comes out of the X Wing and she says, That's a terrible name. I'm not going to call you that. <laughs> that's so great. I thought that was a really great way to come full circle because I was already annoyed by people that didn't just adopt the child. Once, once it was pretty clear, it's like baby Yoda, yeah, yeah, that drives and me. So nuts. The, the general phrase kind of annoys me. It, it annoys me more when real geeks that I know to know better say it than like just random people at work, right? But yeah, um, you know, it's it's so fun for them to make fun of it, but in a friendly way. So it's almost like they're saying, "Yeah, we've heard you. We don't care, but you do you." <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know? you do you. You call him what you want, but his name is Grogu. <laughs> yeah, right, I don't think right. anyone hates the name Grogu necessarily, but um, we were all like, even I was like, wait, really? Grogu? It was a little, like, I was actually really hoping, and I know that this is just me being like a weird specific nerd, but I was hoping we were going to find out that their culture only had four letter names and that the, I spent more mental energy when they said Grogu spelling it going, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Cause Yaddle, I guess is. Well, yeah, I guess Yaddle is fire five or six. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think about the theory that Yaddle left the Jedi order because she was Grogu's mother? It's still floating around. I think it's very plausible. I mean, why not? Which would then be Yoda's attachment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, there's still a lot of mystery about that race or culture or whatever. You know, we really don't know. Uh, are there yeah. others? And, and what's their deal? And you know? George Lucas has been on record saying he's purposely made it. He made it that way that he always he wanted it to remain a mystery. Um, I mean, whether or not it stays like that because he doesn't own it anymore, but while it was under his regime, he had said, I will never, I never want to 
say where they came from or who or seeing any of you know any of that. So you know that's funny because I I read an article today um, with Dave Filoni talking about how he and Favreau both have consulted with George Lucas and they've taken great care to honor George Lucas's original concepts and to honor his kind of desires mm -hmm. as much as possible. And um, cause that was one thing that he was really concerned about was, mm -hmm. you know, that they would just make Grogu this all powerful Mary Sue without any training and that Grogu needed to at least go through that, that path. And now we've seen it that he's actually gone through it twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting things to be unlocked when we learn, you know, what he really knows and what he's really already learned. Yeah. And I don't know where that falls. That could be, that, that could end up in the Obi-Wan show. Well, at this point, he's 50 years old. So, you know, by the time of this, by the time we catch up with him, he's already 50. Um, and I love how Luke, Luke acknowledges that, you know, he's just like, you know, for you, it's a very short amount of time, but for other right. people, it's, it's a lifetime. Like it, they, because he ages so slowly. Um, and I like that they kind of, he, Luke makes that point to him, you know, so he's already seen, you know, 50 years worth of who knows why, obviously he was in a Jedi temple. Obviously he was being trained. Um, a lot of mystery, how he got out, how he wound up with, um, I forgot the, the the guys that Mando gets him from in, in episode one. I forgot the name of that, that those group, but that, that gang basically. In my fantasy script of the, the reveal of that flashback, a few moments after what we've been given, I would be entirely okay with, Disney won't be, but I'm okay with a few moments after what he, what we've seen that he saw, there's a massive rumble of force power and these, this whole hallway of stormtroopers just in the pole. Just there could be that too. Poof. He just splattered the whole building with him. And, then and it someone, was so traumatic to him that yeah. he himself erased his memory. Right, right. And Very then well. someone comes in like, oh boy, let's get you out of here. You know? Yeah. And that, that, I would love that, but I don't think Disney will go there. But uh, like if you're watching Peacemaker, the first mm -hmm. episode when he takes out the one chick that's jumping toward him and just... Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it very well could be that, you know, that, yeah, he, out of self-preservation, because they were going to kill him, that mm -hmm. was their order, kill the Jedi. You they know, could, they could do it with crushing the armor. That would be a reasonable, uh, well, you know, or ripping off the arms, kind of, yeah, or just you know. like force chokes all of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. that, you know, we, we thought with the uh, new Disney Plus era that we wouldn't see any more, uh, limbs being chopped off, but Chris Anton. <laughs> Rip yeah. the arms off the Trandoshan. And so. we all spent a good 45 seconds rooting for it. No one should lie. No, of course. You, <laughs> Everybody's you know coming. Like, do it. Do it. Yep. Do it. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to her. Do it. So good. I, I love that. I love so, that. So Grogu is Groot. <laughs> <laughs> and he Dave also says that wall was made of Beskar bricks. <laughs> Apparently. May have been. We're like, uh, like, what is it? The like rebar inside of it. Yeah, like it's best rebar. rebar. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't realize what they had ordered. That just that one little wall. 
and his favorite line of episode seven, you're scaring it. Stop shooting the Rancor. <laughs> True. The Rancor was scared. He was he was scared. Right. He was terrified. And you know, he needed to be calmed down. He was he was all he was all in a state. So it yep. took it took Grogu to like take it easy. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So <clears throat> that was another part of that mashup for me. You had space cowboys, samurai, and kaiju. Yeah. Uh-huh. All in one episode. Loved it. Yeah. He pulled the mantis. He's sleep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think it was a very, uh, very well done. The only thing that I would say I was kind of counting on because of the art that we saw, I was so ready for an after credits early preview of Obi-Wan. Yeah, me too. The only mm-hmm. thing that I was disappointed about with the finale was that, that I was, I was just like, okay, surely. Cause I had, I was on the road. I was out of town, so I couldn't watch the Boba Fett finale until I got back because I wanted to watch it with the kid. We've been watching them together. So I had seen occasionally come across my social media, even on LinkedIn, because I follow Lucasfilm as a company, the, the Obi-Wan art. Mm-hmm. And I would see it come by and I'd be like, nope, you know, and 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 close it or swipe away. And I was just absolutely sure that that meant that there must be a trailer attached. And then there was no Super Bowl trailer. So now right. I'm over here like, Give me a trailer. You know. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping we would get one during the Super Bowl. That was everybody's inclination. Oh, we're going to get one during the Super Bowl. It makes the most sense. And then the closest you know. we came was an Expedia.com ad. Yeah. <laughs> with you and McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> Which is smart because he's going to be relevant now again. Yep. And there he is already a recognizable talent. I could go on for 20 minutes about how that was the textbook, the best ad, but everybody's obsessed with that stupid bouncing QR code instead. Oh right. God. That, that anyway. Okay. We're not going to talk <laughs> about, we're going to let you rant in a minute, Lucas, but um, final scene of the show was the, uh, the mod doc. Yep. And Cobb Vanth in the back to tank. Yep. Robocop. Yep. <laughs> I like that. That's that's a good that's a good point. So Mandalorian season three. What's in store for Cobb Vanth? I'm uh, kind of excited about that because I like his character a lot. I like him a lot too. With uh with Cad Bane. That's that's gotta be part of that. Yeah, I'm sure because obviously Cad Bane Cad Bane's definitely coming back. He, he's too good, he's too popular and um, I mean, it was a great shootout with them, but uh, they're not done with him yet, especially, you know, I, the live action version was so good. So he, mm-hmm. he's he's definitely coming back, at least for one more round. And I think it's to, like, definitely have another showdown with with, uh, <laughs> RoboCop, RoboCop. with RoboCop. <laughs> so I got to ask this one question. Um, was anyone else a little bit, a little bit sad, a little bit... Uh, Heartbroken to see the Gamorrean guards yes. bite the dust. Oh I yeah, mean, and and it was kind did. of like I mean I don't think that it was uncharacteristic. Uh, there some people have criticized that they went out too easy based on their level of skill. I don't know that that's accurate because they were overwhelmed and they were being strategically squeezed. They weren't actually beaten. They were just put into an unstable location, which is the only way that that crowd would have had to beat them. So I think it was yeah. legit. But yeah, it 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 does suck that they uh, that they met that end. 
Or, you know, maybe they didn't meet that end. Maybe they get up out of somebody's living room or kitchen table that they fell into and just shake it off. You know, who knows? It could be pretty tough. Oh, that, that's a good point. Maybe they bounce. The the green Maybe. pigs in the uh, phone video games bounce. Why can't these? True, true, <laughs> true. Part man, part machine, all Marshall. There is a hilarious <laughs> fan trailer to be made based on all these comments, the RoboCop. Thing. I think so. Have you guys seen the uh, 1980s sitcom style or A-team style trailer for Book of Boba Fett? Yeah. <laughs> I actually have not. I, I have not. I will have to watch that. Okay. I am going to send you the link because okay. it is epic. It I is did epic. Miss that. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. They set it up like it's the A team. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> that's great. So that's awesome. Lucas, I got to get your opinion on one thing before we call it a night. So, because we could talk about this for the next sure. four hours. We didn't even <laughs> talk about the train heist. Oh gosh. What a great scene that was. Um, the pikes and all of that. Yeah, oh, there's so, so much cool. that we didn't even get to. But this scene with Boba Fett riding the Rancor. If ever this screamed <laughs> Hasbro Black Series figure <laughs> set. Yes. This is it. This and, and Din Jaren's new Starfighter. Oh, yeah. yeah. We got to get those. At least, I would like them in a Black Series size scale but even if it's just the vintage series okay i'll live with that but we're not going to get this from hasbro because of the debacle with the haslab and the crowdfunding around the rancor last year uh, a yeah. lot of people ponied up money they backed it and they didn't get enough it's not going to happen and now my sources inside hasbro say they're not going to touch a rancor again so, first of all, I don't. I, I'm. I think I'm. I'm on the fence about this. This concept, this crowdfunding concept, and I know Johnny and I. You know, we've talked about that a little, and obviously, we could have a whole hour of that ethical discussion. And I think that's probably a panel that we should start offering to cons. Um, but uh, if you accept it as what it is. I'm just astonished because I went to look it up once you like before the show, you mentioned like, what? Really? I thought the thing was out. I was ready to see the the uh, Boba Fett saddle add on kit go on sale soon because I thought, you know, that this thing had happened. It was eighty five hundred and thirty three out of nine thousand backers. And. I just that's so short to stop that's you know it's not that's not a fail that's uh just extend the deadline three more months yeah just do better outreach and communication well <laughs> but can we can we talk about multi-million dollar corporations right resorting you you to crowdfunding to, yeah or that you can't get to the lot like hey you know what we we backed we backed more than almost 90 percent of it right we'll 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 take care of it <laughs> like Get well, it out I there. Thought, I thought that part of the scheme was that as they cross milestones, they add bonuses of some kind. But maybe it's after they hit it, then they add bonuses. Whatever. It it strikes me as it, all the esoteric stuff that they've done for Ghostbusters that they've gotten funded. Surely they could have done this if they had done it right. I, I do think, Johnny, you, you've got a... a a good question there as to, you know, okay, these enormous companies 
why do they need to do this? I think there there are a few angles there, but the big thing that it's I a don't marketing angle. It's PR. It's PR yeah. marketing. I don't understand though. You know, they come to it partially baked already. Like when they show it off, they've already done R and D. The concept would normally be that you're trying to cover some R and D that you can't make an excuse for otherwise. Right. But they've already done that by the time they come. Well, and and what really cheeses me off because I found this out with the release of the vintage series Razor Crest, which by the way is gorgeous. It's an amazing set. And and it's uh the vintage scale the three and three quarter scale and um it uh they did an unboxing this week on the haslab channel but only people who backed it will have the opportunity to get it it will never go to retail which i i, I didn't even know that they were doing it until Neither this did week I. I didn't even know that so, is the part that they've broken that's what makes the salt in the wound like it's one thing to do it being a big giant rich company and still doing it. That is an ethical discussion that we should probably entertain. But then to break the model of the GoFundMe and all that, because how many times have we seen a new game come along? And the whole idea is to get it into production. And if you want to wait, you can wait and just buy it later. And these products don't follow that. It's like they've taken all the risk away from doing any of the things that they're doing. Now, they're making beautiful stuff. I mean, this Galactus, the freaking Sky Striker, it's oh, awesome. It's awesome. But like But hey, they they got plenty of money to put out another Lando Calrissian figure. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I I don't agree with the not being able to, to once it's funded, not being able to buy it outright. I I do think that that's unfortunate. They're also leaving a lot of money on the table because if you look at the one that I should have gotten in on, Unicron, uh, as the biggest Transformers yeah. fan in any given room, you know, I'd love to be able to come back and buy that, but I'm not going to hit the secondary market at one or two K to pick one up. No. Um, you know, I just had to resign myself that, yeah, the Armada one that I've got, it's pretty sweet. I'll just let that be my Unicron. But yeah, I think I, that this, you know, this should be a set. It should at least be a small yeah. scale set, something. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even if it comes down to the point of like, listen, just just take pre-orders on it, early bird this thing, you know, like they mm-hmm. did back in the day before the figures were even ever launched in the first place. Like, give me the early bird set. Uh, you know, I'll put I'll plunk the money down, give me the cardboard cutout as a placeholder, and uh, would, and I'll wait. <laughs> I wouldn't count them out yet. There is a lot of power. I think they'll do whatever Disney tells them to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody from Disney came along and said, listen, this product needs to be out there. We want more hype around this show. And if you want, you know, they can just pick somebody, Luke or somebody. If you want that next one, you're going to do a Rancor. We're going to quit talking to you. Well, unfortunately, they just re-signed their 10-year agreement with Hasbro. So... That ain't oh, well. gonna happen, but <laughs> uh, and that just happened like two or three weeks ago. But um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not happy with Hasbro, but we don't talk about things we don't like. We 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 win the war not by fighting things we hate, but by saving things we love. And I will get the Funko Pop Rancor and Boba Fett set that is coming out. 
my uh, my contacts at Funco have already shared that with me. Um, because you know there may be some news coming down the line about. Anyway, all right, all right, little <laughs> teaser, little little inside knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we leave, guys, any final thoughts? I mean, I'll just say once again, um, I really, I, I did like the series. I, like I said at the top, I think there was some weird just stuff with the pacing and the structure of the show. But overall, I, I, I did like it. And, you know, I am, um, I mean, listen, no, no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. So <laughs> there's always going to be something that you like and you don't like, but I think that's with everything in life. I mean, you know, you, a band puts out a, your favorite band puts out a record and maybe you like eight out of the 10 songs on that record. Like that's okay. It's yeah. okay to, yeah. to not like certain parts of it, but ultimately guys, we got a freaking Boba Fett show. We saw him officially crawl out of the Sarlacc pit. We saw him kick some ass. We saw him shoot down some, some, some gang and enslave one. Uh, so an awesome train I seen. And, we saw him ride the back of a Rancor and and called like done. I, I love it. We got so many great things. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy. I would love to see them do more. I hope they do more. Um, I'm pleased. Yeah, you know, same here. I uh, I definitely feel like at this point, if you can't find something in the Star Wars offering collectively that you can enjoy, you're not pleasable there's there's you don't have the ability to enjoy anything if you can't pick a lane pick a series decide that the new trilogy is great like whatever it is like people have complained about every one of these things which says to me that there's something for everyone that everybody currently has star wars that they can love depending on what their sensibilities are and that's the way it should be you know it's it's just like the other lessons that these you know, other franchises are learning. Not everybody is into Star Trek Discovery, but they swear by lower decks. There's a little something for everybody, and I think that we're always better off when we when we have a lot of a lot, a lot of diverse choices. And I, I think it's uh, I, I, t- I tend to I guess I'm more patient than anybody that bothers to uh, talk on the internet about shows because I hear all sorts of trash on episode one, and I'm like, why don't you digest a couple first? You know. And uh, I think I look at the long game and to me, this is just one installment of a very long game. Five years from now, we're going to be looking back going, how about that brilliant stuff? When are you going to go buy your box set of the uh, limited edition Disney series with all the, the limited series that we jumped off on? We're going to find out how they all fit together and then they're going to all be packaged up in a 8k holographic 3d disc set that ships inside a dented best car helmet or something you know right. like and i'll buy it yeah right <laughs> take my money please yeah. <laughs> so i think that you know i tend to look at the long game and i'm i'm overjoyed with with uh where we're at you know i think a lot of people don't know how lucky they are to have they, all they really don't media you know and even Lucas, you're you're younger than Chris and I, but y- you lived through the dark times when there was no Star Wars. I, I never thought we'd ever after Jedi. I never thought we'd see another Star Wars thing in my no. life. 
<laughs> I, I mean, there was hope with with Heir to the Empire, the books, right, which were great. And by the way, I'll just add a little side note. I think that's the ultimate destination that Favreau and Filoni are going to do a live action adaptation of those books. And Shadows and, of the Empire. And, <laughs> yeah. What's that? Shadows, Shadows of the Empire. Empire. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming too. <laughs> that's coming in animation, though. I think. Yeah, which is fine. I'll take it. Yeah, but um, anyway, you know, there's so much Star Wars content coming out. And if you had told me as a kid in 1989, when I graduated from high school, that we were going to live in this time where there was so much Star Wars content available and coming, I would have I it would have been a dream come true. And it is a dream come true. And we're just getting fed all of this great stuff and it seems like nobody's happy about it and <laughs> <Yes>. everything's awesome <laughs> and nobody's happy about it. Guys, take, take the gift that you have been given and enjoy it and love it for what it is because it's not going to be here forever. I always play the ultimate nerd franchise Trump card on people that want to complain about not liking a certain mythology or a certain story getting changed or retold. I always point out to them that Lifelong Transformers fans know what it's like to have your mythology reinvented to varying degrees of success. And you just over and over and over again. Yeah. You just have to play the long game. I mean, there's there's still great stuff in all the all the bits and pieces. Even even the worst stuff has great stuff in it. And uh, I think we just hear a lot of the, the smallest numbers of people speaking the loudest sometimes. They usually are the loudest. (laughs) <laughs> I love this last comment by Tony. Overall, I enjoy the fact that we each of these stories brings us together around something we are fond of. It's like the feeling we get when we go to a convention together. Can't wait till the next one. Amen. Well said. Love it. <laughs> Could have said any better. And I think that's the best way to end the show, guys. I appreciate you being with me and uh, sharing your thoughts and, uh, Golly, we could do so many deep dives on just tiny little segments on this series. But uh, this has been a great uh, conversation. I've not been able to talk about this with anyone until tonight. So you've you've filled my cup. Well, this was great. I'm I'm so happy. Thank you for having me on. This was great uh, spending some time with you guys talking about my my favorite topic in the world, Star Wars. So (laughs) any chance I can get to talk about Star Wars for hours, I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for for including me in the lineup, man. This was a lot of fun. And uh, uh, like the comment said, it's it's great to get together around stuff that we really appreciate as a as a group. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, Everybody watching, thank you. If you're listening on uh, Apple or Spotify or iHeartRadio, thank you for listening. And uh, I'll just remind you, the banner has been running down below. Uh, You can support our programming at buymeacoffee.com slash cerealboxpod. And if you have a hard time remembering that, just visit our website at backofthecerealbox.fun. And you will see a link to uh, donate and contribute and become a supporter like uh, Dave Mattingly. He is a super fan and we couldn't do this show without the support of people like him. And with that, guys, we will say good night. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you to everyone watching. You guys have a great night. 
and may the force be with you always. 